is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It is what it is, man. It's cheap, too. Just because we were talking about it out there and I was kind of bummed. I was like, shit, we got to say it again. You just landed from Crescent Butte. Yep. Um, and we were just talking about how the weather literally, literally just turned. Yeah. And it was like, I was on my mountain bike. How the hell are they going to be open in, in X amount of days? And then what happened? Well, yeah. So actually, was it George? Did you just say that it was 80 degrees? Like that? The last day, Saturday. Last Saturday. Yeah. That's the day it dumped in Crested Butte. Because I was talking to a friend of mine in Boston and he was like, it's 80 degrees here. And I'm like, we were in a full on proper snowstorm. And so I, I had mountain biked the day before Friday and was one of my favorite trails in the entire Gunnison Valley is a bike trail on the mountain. It's in the bike park. And often I'm kind of like working late. So I just pedal up the mountain and then go ride Avery. Yep. And, uh, so rode Avery and, there was like no snow, zero. And I was like, Crested Butte's not opening on November 22nd. And then the next day, it probably dropped about 20 inches on the mountain and just sheer like full proper winter wonderland stuff. And then I was talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, it's 80 here today. So man, yeah. We, we it get just but it flipped cycles. for you guys too, which is which is kind of wild, flipped. like yep. overnight almost. Like well, no, actually, literally overnight. Yeah, literally which overnight. Cool. Oh, I do have to call this out because before we before we get into it, because when you text me like oh, I'm inside, just uh, I, I'm here, I'm just whatever, like checking things out. I was like, all right, so I went down. As I went down, I like looked in the front door. I'm like, I don't see Jonathan, whatever. <laughs> and then I turn around, dude had a super fan in the store. <laughs> kind of true. It's kind of true. You? Yeah. 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 You yeah, were scoping the ski wall, and some guy was like, "Is that really you? Yeah. Is that you? Oh, That's no. actually exactly how it went, to be honest. <laughs> no. Shout out. What a cool shout out to Abe. Um, Abe Rosenberg. I, I walked in and I was just looking around. I didn't see you guys there, and uh, so I was like, "Cool. Check out. You know, the shop." And uh, there was a guy and. Uh, he, he kind of looked and he kind of did a double take and I just thought it actually I first thought it was an employee and uh, and then he kind of came over and I was like hey he's like hey still and might think it's an employee I, I actually did and uh, I was like hey um, I'm Jonathan he's like I know and uh, and still might think it's an employee no he so no I, we talked for like 10 minutes he's a great guy um abe rosenberg That's shout awesome. out um, cool he's like i'm a blister member i kind of can't believe you're here right now sick lives in rhode island comes up to ski monster Very like cool. when anytime he's he said anytime i'm in a like two hour range of ski monster i, I stop in that's awesome and uh that's so cool. yeah uh blister member he's like i used to snowboard he's like i started skiing seven years ago he's like every piece of gear i've bought i've bought off of like reviews i've read on blister so it was it was kind of a proper i hate to say it but it was a proper fanboy moment but Abe is it's kind I, of fucking cool no, it's yeah, cool man yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. cool it's it's really fun um literally walked into the shop and and that was the first conversation i had and and that you know kind of brings you back to like it's one of the things i love so so much about just kind of snow sports in general, skiing or snowboarding, but like that instant connection you 
often can have, whether somebody knows blister or not, but that we do this dumb thing like slide around on snow. It's actually kind of dumb, yeah. but we love it so much. And the connections that that makes and brings you together off of that mm -hmm. shared passion, it's like the best thing that's ever happened to me, like in my life, you know, cool. you can go to Iceland or Japan or, or Boston and, uh, and have those kind of encounters. And I still like wildly as fun as the act of skiing is, to have encounters like that and just have your world grow or, or meet up with people because of that activity is still something that I, I love a lot. Pretty rad. It, it's kind of, it's a weird like out of body moment when it happens. Cause you're like, the person's like, I can't believe it's you. And you're like, what? Like we just talk about skiing. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're like, yeah, 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 it is me. What's up, man. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Dude, yeah. there's a lot of surreal things like that. Like when we were at the Solomon movie premiere last night, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're standing in the back with the guys that created the movies and are in the movies. Yeah. And yep. they're asking me like, yeah, George, you want another beer? And like, yeah, yeah sure. What are you having? Um, uh, PBR. Yeah. Great. Let me go get you one. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I'm like, this is how did any well, of this happen? And then, so we're watching their segments, <laughs> Stan and, and Josh, their segments in particular, and they're both on each side of us. And the first one, like, you know, goes through it, Stan Ray and he does it, it does yeah. his thing. And I was like, dude, that was dope. And he's like, dude, thanks man. And, yeah. I, and then Josh, then Josh's segment happens and Josh does some, Gnarly, it's ridiculous. Yeah, gnarly. Yeah. And so, like, I literally like lean into him. I was like, "Are you okay in the fucking head? Like, are you okay? Are you mentally okay?" And he was like, "What?" And it's like, debatable. It's debatable, like, dude. Well, debatable. Like, that was you, you. You did that. He's like, yeah. "I know." I'm like, "No, seriously, are you okay?" He's like, "I don't think I am. I literally don't think I am." I'm yeah. like, "Dude, you're definitely not," because what I just watched is psychopath behavior. Yeah, that was insane skiing, like insane. Yeah. So it was cool to like have those guys there, and you're just talking to them yeah. and watching their segments at the same time while they're getting you PBRs. It was, it was, it was pretty rad. Yeah. Pretty rad. So you've been in some ski factories, haven't you? I have. Yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, um, I was just talking to Tor Verdonk, who you yeah. talk to all the time. Yeah. And he's like, dude, I was, you know, when we had Ellsworth over here, he's super into, to like, uh, some of the numbers and getting into the nitty gritty of like how something works. And like, um, yeah, dude, he's like, I can't remember. He probably remembers. So yeah, I honestly, I'd ask him, I can't remember. <laughs> so You're, where, where so have you been? Okay, well, first of all, we should talk about that day with Tor. So we were in Montebelluna, Italy, at the at the Rosignol Lang factory, and uh, Tor and I got into a proper like kind of yelling match. Nice. Okay. And and I, I think I've I think I've told this story, but like I I really love Tor. I like that as crotchety and crusty as that dude is, he's he's kind of one of my favorite people in the ski industry. But we were talking about, uh, he, he was showing us the kind of R&D, you know, center of the, of the, the Lang Rossi factory. Now, was that the first boot facility you'd been to? Was that, that the first taste? That, that was the very first. Isn't I've been in a lot of ski. nuts? I've been in a lot of ski factories. That was the first boot factory. Yeah. I'm sorry, but boot factories are way cooler. I think they are too. Boot factories are just, they're just actually breweries. Like... I've if I've been into a yeah. lot of breweries and distilleries, but like you walk in and that's what a boot factory looks like, right? Yeah. We have all these tiny little particles of plastic. Oh, totally. And yeah. Combining yeah, it yeah. together, it's like y'all are just brewing beer here, mm -hmm. except they're ski boots. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, that so my my first trip to a boot factory was with Tor, and we started kind of yelling at each other because, um he is 
convinced that there is no way to appropriately, properly, let's say, standardized ski boot flex. Mm, this is interesting. I've been talking to Tor and Manzer and yeah. Corpy a lot about this topic yeah. lately. And yeah. and and my 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 quick take on this is I think it's extremely complicated. I'm not at all willing to say sort of impossible, right? And uh and Tor at, at least in the moment, you know, maybe maybe he's opinion his opinion has changed on this, but uh he was just like, I don't even see why you're going down this road. Like, you're not going to get there. And, and I was like, dude, what are you afraid of? Like, you're, you, like, you're just shutting down inquiry. We have a $65 million engineering facility down on in Western Colorado University's campus. We have some of the top people in robotics and AI and all walks of engineering faculty, like, I'm just not at all willing to say like, oh, this is an absolutely insurmountable problem. That said, mm -hmm. this is not some rinky dink, like, you know, like do get a ball of yarn and like do some like janky home project and then claim you've like created objective, you know, tests sure. that people can actually count on. I think there's a ton of variables. I think we need to go slow and do it the right way. I don't think it will be simple. I don't think it's some sort of like, oh yeah, we just set up this test and turns out the first go, we nailed it. Like that, I don't believe any of that, but I don't believe that we either have the world we're currently living in or with no better way to help people sort of understand what's happening on this very murky world of ski boot flex. Well, yeah, it's just, it, it's unfortunately just marketing. So, you know, we started off one through 10, Yep. You have Speed Machine, Nordica, with the Speed Machine, like, you know what? Fuck it. Goes to 10. We're going to go 12, yeah. 14. <laughs> you know what? Those numbers are kind of lame. Let's put a fucking zero behind it. Yeah. And then everyone follows suit. And then people understand that it's, no one's communicated with anybody how they came up with any of these numbers. Yeah. And so then it becomes marketing numbers and there's more options than there really should be. And there's yeah. more options than there should be because the ski shop feels like they need these price points for whatever their yeah. respective customer yeah. is. The brand doesn't want to miss out on any sales. Yeah. So they're willing to offer all of these options. And then the brands realize, you know what? People are seeing value in flex index. You know what? I can offer a 95 yeah. for 85 pricing. People feel like they're getting something even though they're not, and they get hung up on these stupid numbers that mean nothing. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything within any brand. It's comparable just within a line. Yeah. And it is insane. Like, um, I'm sure you've seen some of this stuff too, and probably have to keep some names out of it, but there are so many 130 flex boosts that flex softer than 110s. Yeah. And I mean, I felt that way when I've been in some of these boots, but it was pretty cool to actually see the data and be like, I'm not fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. Thank fucking God. Yeah. Cause there are some of these boots where I'm in them. We're testing them. Like I can't buy a fucking turn to save my life. I can't get these skis to do what I know they can do. And I'm not off today. Mm -hmm. This is something is wrong here. And then I look at that fucking thing mm -hmm. and I'm like, ha, that's <laughs> it. That's why the data is true. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And um, I, but what's funny to me is because, you know, we, we, uh, we collectively all live through like the, the flex of, 
you know, one through 10, yeah. you know, like even the initial speed machine, eight, 10 speed machine, 12. Right? Well, that was also kind of funny with it too, is there, there wasn't even that many options within 10. It started at eight and then went to 10. Right. No, there's it, nothing below that. Nothing below that. But like <laughs> how they got everyone to transition to like thinking a 130 is like the, is the, whatever that number means, right? That that 130 number is the max consumer flex. Yeah. Like, and how easily people just were like, oh yeah, I need a 130. Like that doesn't even exist. They just made it up. Well, it's all made up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. And then, and then what else is, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy to be talking about this because I am going to make like a regular video on it, but this is like a good draft for me to, to get do. it out. Just get it all so out. You have, it ends up getting associated with ability more than it should because you have the never evers. They've never skied out there before. You're about to go balance on fucking snow on an uneven surface. Yeah. That's slippery with these five foot fucking things attached to your feet, at least, right? The likelihood of your weight being in the wrong spot is very high. Yeah. If you're in a responsive boot, the skis are going to take you for a ride. Yeah. So being in something soft makes sense. You have that end of the spectrum. Then you have the ski racing end of the spectrum where everything is stiff because it really has to be. And that makes them faster and they get the response and they can actually keep stuff stable. Right. Then it's assumed that everything in between is associated with ability. But when in fact, once you figured out how to balance on a pair of skis, you would benefit from being in something stiffer so you can actually get energy transmission to the skis. You'd actually feel more efficient out there. And then there's this other bullshit of like fucking, um, oh, I don't want to be in a stiff boot. That's going to be too much work. Like, no, if you're in something too soft, you're moving way more than you need to, to get the skis to do something. You're actually working your ass off and maybe doing some fucked up technique in order to get the skis to do something because you don't have enough fucking boot. There's my fucking rant. I like so, it. Wait, wait, wait. I like it. I like so, it. <clears throat> Draft one. From your point of view where you're working with customers all the time, they're trying boots on in the shop. I think I know where this answer is. So get I rid of flex index. In. Well, no, no, no. What <laughs> I want to know is do, do you have, do you spend more of your time trying to get people to go with a softer boot or a stiffer boot? So fortunately we don't have much of that problem here in Boston. Um, uh, a lot of the people come in here, they're really pretty intelligent. They can pick up on some stuff and you say, Basically, ski boots job, great it fits your foot. Its purpose is to make a ski bend. Stiffer boots are going to do a more effective job of that. And then they're basically getting into something stiffer. Yeah. They're not, they're not, they're not yeah. selling themselves short. And also, you know, the the starting price point that we have is um, higher than an average store. We don't start at the very bottom of the barrel, like yeah. a lot of stores yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we started pretty high up, but there, up in that, up in that spectrum of boots, but there isn't, no, there's not a lot of convincing. There might convincing would be a strong word. They have a willingness to be educated and learn, and then it makes sense to them. What, what are your everyday Alpine boots? Uh, really the two, the last couple of years I've spent far and away the most time between a atomic Hawks ultra one thirty with, a. Let me do that again. Um, no, no, my bad. Um, the number one boot, probably thinking about the last like two seasons, is the um, Atomic Redster Club Sport yeah. 130. 
I love that boot. I prefer that boot with its stock liner, um, not going into the professional foam mimic liner. The Club Sport 130, it's, it's probably the best fit I've ever gotten for my foot, right? It's my foot. And if you're listening to this, we don't have the same feet. What, what was the pre, you were in Raptors before that? I love that boot. Yep. Yeah. And uh, before that, and that was always fun because for years, like, you know, Matt Manzer has been on a lot of our Gear 30 podcasts yeah. and I would just talk about how fucking good the head Raptor was and he would just sit there and kind of fume. But that Raptor, um, first of all, it's it's the best ski boot color, in my opinion. The best ski boot color is white. I mean, that Raptor my, boot looks, looks dope. It looks sick. It looks so really you sick. should be really invited to any Solomon focus group because the French would love that. They would. <laughs> yeah. But but that, <laughs> that Raptor, so here's the thing. That Raptor, when it had that kind of D-ring booster on it, which they've moved away from, that sort of D-ringed booster strap came stock. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite ski boots of all time. Did, did that one have the spine buckles? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the like, frankly, the spine buckles. That's not why it was my that part. No, I'm just I'm just really trying to picture about, it in my yes, head. That's the boot. To, yeah. And um, and I feel like with that Raptor, the current Raptor, and I'm, I've talked about this, it has gone a bit higher volume. Not like wildly different, but a bit different. And again, that might work way better for way more people out there. But for for my particular feet, that that. Even if it was a subtle change, it opened up things enough where now that Club Sport 130 is the better fit for me. Yeah. So, but I can do that boot with its stock liner, or I'm having a lot of success with that um, Atomic Hawks Ultra 130 with the professional foam liner. Okay. So I love the foam liner in the Hawks Ultra. I don't need the foam liner in the club sport 130 because i do feel like at that point it actually stiffens up the that boot more than i want it to interesting that's my well yeah and that club sport would be lower volume than that ultra professional yep anyway yep yeah so that's my current but i you know um that man uh you know that that is as you guys know that is one of the hardest things about doing ski boot reviews because it's like well by definition your foot shape is going to prefer one or two boots out there among all the rest. Sure. And so to still come back and try to provide that meaningful feedback to help everybody else figure out, you know, where they might be going. And this is why every single one of our boot reviews is like, you might love the sound of this, go into your fucking, the best ski boot fitter you can find and go talk with them and try some stuff on. Don't fall in love with a ski boot just from reading this review, yeah. right? Like every one of right. our boot reviews starts that way. Get into a shop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just educating the, the person that's reading it. Yeah. Really. And that's the most important thing. And that's what you guys, that's what you do, which is great. You know, um, I, I want to get back to, to blister real quick here. So, cause that's why you're here. I'm and, here to hang before, out. <laughs> that's who, uh, but I, I want to talk about blister summit because, yeah. um, we've heard a lot of, awesome things about it. Mm. And it's, it, it seems to be growing more people seem to be going, which is yeah. awesome. But before that, I mean, we've talked in the past before and, and you know, us as ski monster and we know you as Jonathan from, from blister, but what I don't know, and a lot of people that are listening probably don't like, like when did you have that, the, the epiphany moment in your, in your life where you're like, you know what, I'm going to start blister 
yeah. or whatever that may have been called before that. Yeah. And this is why I'm going to start it. Kind of walk us through that thought process and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. I, um, it's, it's kind of a weird story, but in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, I'm like, no, this actually checks out and makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, I grew up in Chicago in the Chicago area. As I tell people, I cared about two things and only two things. And it was football and basketball. That was it. Not really a third thing. And, uh, so all my time and energy went into, you know, playing those sports and, and, you know, was looking at a college career, uh, or going to college to play football, had an injury that, um, basically that ended those, uh, that path, um, uh, pretty starkly, but, um, but then fast forward and, um, and this is, I mean, this is sort of the punchline. I didn't really start skiing till, I mean, I, I skied a bit. First time skiing ever, my junior year in high school. Went one day, definitely skied in jeans. Sick. Had no idea what I was doing. Starter, Zero, ja- starter jacket? Uh, I don't remember the jacket. Chicago Bulls starter jacket probably? I, I do remember the <laughs> jeans though. Um, and so that was day one. My second day on skis was my senior year of high school. In some, I, I don't remember. I think it was at some tiny hill in like Wisconsin or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so was a, a good athlete, but mainstream sports, football, basketball, right? And I ran track. I didn't, and then I, I skied a, a bit, maybe five, six days a year as an undergrad. Some friends of mine that I met in college, you know, one of my buddies was like, I have a place in, my folks have a place in Summit County. We start going out there. I yeah. still have no idea what I'm doing at all, you know, with any of this stuff. Then I moved to uh, northern New Mexico in 2002. And that is when I really had uh, my first kind of real, what I kind of call, like I, again, nothing wrong with skiing four or five days a year. That's great. It's what most people do, right? Yeah. But that year, winter 20, year uh, that winter 2002 that I, I maybe did 25, 30 days that year, but that's when I really like fell in love with skiing. And then very quickly, I think the next year I was probably at the 80 to a hundred day days a year. And then that's kind of been, it's been kind of a hundred plus days a year since then. But in those days, you know, I knew that being, in the right ski boots on the right skis would certainly help me progress as a skier, um, probably help me enjoy skiing more. And I have to say, I was kind of shocked at how bad I thought product reviews were about all of this really expensive equipment. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how the industry worked. I didn't come from the industry at all. I was actually, I went from football, basketball player to philosophy graduate student to philosophy professor. And my first college professorship or teaching gig at a college, I was 20, 26. Mm-hmm. I thought I was gonna be a philosophy professor the rest of my life. And anyway, so that was kind of the background. I was also a then in New Mexico as a personal trainer, because that had been part of, so I'm like this weird, like I'm in New Mexico. Hmm. I'm a personal trainer. I'm training the governor of New Mexico. No way. I'm still, uh, sick. I'm still 
writing, publishing philosophy books, talking at philosophy conferences, but now I ski like a hundred days a year. Yeah. And as I'm looking at gear or I'd read some stuff that I saw in a magazine or on a forum, and then I'd be like so psyched to get this ski, get the ski. And then I'm like, this shit doesn't do anything like what the magazine said it would do or yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, what's going on here? And as I finally learned more about how so much of the outdoor gear review media landscape works, right? Where it tends to be a lot of like pay to play stuff that actually legitimately kind of scandalized me. Cause I'm like this dude that's new to these communities of skiing and mountain biking and climbing. And I'm like, wait, so the papers of record are just kind of lying to all of us about like what this gear does or doesn't do. Yeah. And, and I don't know why, but I was like, that's super fucked up. Mm-hmm. And at that time I was like, all right, I'm, I was a very good writer. That was kind of my background, like academic philosophy. Like the, they, they maybe don't teach you how to write beautifully, but like, that's all you do at like the yeah. highest levels of academic philosophy is like you, every, every word, every word better be right. Or we're going to tear your head off. Yeah. That's how that game works. Right. And I was like, I don't know. What if we just actually start testing product a lot for, put a lot of days on a skier in a ski boot or on a, mountain bike or snowboard, we write really in depth about the experience across a broad range of conditions and just go in depth and try to answer what I think are the questions that real actual skiers, mountain bikers, snowboarders have if you're going to go drop $800, $1,000 on a new ski or way more than that on a mountain bike. Mm-hmm. What if we just do that And we just tell the truth and, and this has been a kicker, we don't take any advertising money from any of the gear manufacturers we review. Mm -hmm. That was, that was the question. It literally was an experiment. I didn't know the answers. Well, I mean, it's funny that you say it the way that you just did, because similarly when him and I first got into like working in in a ski shop and reading the magazine reviews, reading, reading the little blurbs from all the manufacturers, you know, we've had a similar thought, you know, we're like, it, it, well, it was amazing how very honest. And it's like every single yeah. ski can't be good at every single That's thing. Right. It's impossible. That's right. Yeah. There are pros and cons to each one. And it was very copy and pasted from everybody, including to other retailers out there, just copying and pasting from the manufacturer and SEO wise, they didn't have like a negative impact from it. So they could get away with it. Yeah. But we saw an opportunity. Well, yeah. What if we were just honest? Yeah. And I mean, you know, it resonated for us. It clearly resonated for you. Yeah. And I mean, I, I really feel like right now there is, you know, in, in media and all, not, not just in ski, but in everything, uh, people are a little more fed up with not having enough honesty and are really totally the more honest outlets are really rising to the to the top. That's right. Well, well, that, and from a ski manufacturer side of things, like what we see now from ski manufacturers and how they talk about the products that are coming out compared to 15 years ago when we were reading yeah. like the blurbs on, you know, rosinol.com or atomic.com or whatever. I mean, I'm not just singling those yeah. brands out, just any brand, any brand. And, and now you read it and it's like the more honest, they're so more honest about what the new ski or 
uh, or boot or, or whatever they're talking about can can and cannot do. Yeah. Before it would be like this is our new ski. It can do everything. That's right. And well, I mean like, that was like was the, crazy. That was like the birth of all mountain though. Like if you had basically race skis, and we're saying that this is way more versatile than a race ski is, which True. it is. Yeah. But we're gonna say it can do fucking everything. Right. Yeah. It, and that equally well. And equally it sold well. a lot of fucking skis. Yeah. yeah. And then it took a long time to. I mean, it's pretty recent that like all those manufacturers really had their families, you know, divided because mm -hmm. it was, you know, we had race, yep. we had uh, park and we had this goofy all mountain thing. Yep. Now you have, you know, distinctive families. I mean, like, uh, I guess to pick on Atomic again, you have your Redster skis, you have Maverick, you have uh, Bent. Um, then there's Maven, obviously. Uh, Backland. Yeah. What am I missing? I mean, dude, and it's atomic. There's, there's thirty. You're missing like thirty other. Yeah, you know. seriously. But but that but you get the you get the gist. Like everyone has. This is the category of ski. This is our family that's going to yeah. be good at X. And yeah. before it was like this is a ski that's that. This is all. This is all you need. Yeah. It's the only thing you need. And it was was even funnier back then too. And you guys can feel free to jump in because I, I I know we all felt it. But when ski started to get wider, and mm -hmm. in, in those early. That pendulum is swung hard. Right? So when, it, when skis started to get <laughs> yeah. super wide and then you'd get a blurb from a manufacturer or a sales rep or whomever and they're like, oh yeah, you could still carve around this thing. This yeah. thing is great. Yeah, yeah. you could. I, I was at, so I, I was, I was arc and turns and you're like, then you get on the thing and you're like, I think I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> this is a two by six. Yeah. Like I can't turn this thing, you know? Yeah. And they, they, but there was no literature or no one saying yeah. that this is good at this and, and not good at, yep. at that. And, or and that it's now, okay that it's not good at it's that. Okay. It wasn't, it's, it's totally okay. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And now it, it's, it's, it's so different. And I think, you know, with people that were honest and, uh, then and now, it's yeah. made a, a huge shift in how they talk about their product. Mm. Yeah. It really does. It makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's one of the things I'm, I am really proud of with so it's wild to me like so blister turns 13 years old this january congrats congratulations and you know i i think probably like a lot of folks like <clears throat> we're always kind of working on the the next next and so in a way like life still very much feels like it's a startup yeah. because you're you know you guys can i imagine relate to this a bit but yeah. like you're always like what's what's the next thing we're doing here and what would be the cool thing to do or a good opportunity or, and so, um, but just reflecting on that, um, kind of over those 13 years that, that basically it really truly was the premise. It was kind of this question. What happens if we just tell the truth to the best of our ability we actually spend enough time testing this stuff. And that's another big one for me at the time. And it's still practiced in a lot of places today. It's like this notion of the three-day ski review. Like, well, why not the fuck? Yeah, totally. It work. But also, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Doesn't work. And I'm and and I, I was saying it 13 years ago. I'll still say it today. Like, first of all, if you really actually, if it's really about helping your fellow skiers, snowboarders, mountain bikers get on product that is gonna help them go have maybe some of the best days of their lives out in the mountains, what the fuck are we doing only testing gear three days a year? What are we doing? Well, that's that's crazy. But just because, you know, like you um, know an editor at a magazine or um, you did whatever ski racing wise or you 
uh, did Corbett's at whatever age, doesn't mean you understand nuances between yeah. things. Yeah. Um, you can't tell the difference between Coke and Pepsi, you know, whatever. Like you can't, you're, you're in trouble. Like it, it really is. And we've talked about this before. I think on the last podcast we did with you, it is really hard to say what some of those differences is differences are and to be able to articulate them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there is enough second guessing yourself. Let me go back and forth yep. between these two and understand how these things um, compare. Because yeah. for us, that's really kind of how it falls into our job is to understand a customer's priorities and get them into the best tool for the job. Yep. yep. And there is no advantage to us at all to sell them something that isn't going to line That's up right. with us. If we do our job, listen to them, um, and understand the products that we're selling, they're going to have a great time. We exceeded expectations. They tell a bunch of people and that's how this whole thing yep. works. And it's good for the sport. Like it keeps people, you know, so sorry to interject, but like we still currently have a terrible, terrible number on number of people who go and try skiing for the first time and then don't come back. Mm-hmm. And I, I still, I still think this has a lot to do with people getting out there on some of the shittiest rental gear that it, the best skiers, the people who would be in the best most experienced position to be able to actually handle that gear, yep. you wouldn't be caught dead in that because you'd be like, like what you were saying about a, a ski boot that is the wrong flex. Like you can't do your thing. It's actually terrifying. Yeah. So I always say this is like, it's like we're trying to be like, hey, you've never driven a car. It's really fun. You should try. We're going to give you the car that doesn't have power steering. Yeah. Why would we do that to people? I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. We, we talk about this internally all the time, and I'm sure you talk about it too because you just brought it up. But like, if if we were to go skiing for a day, like, and you walk into Loon, for example, yeah, and you walk into Loon's rental shop as a, as a level skier at, at say we are, you get a boot that they size you up for, and you get a ski that, that they size you up for. You don't give them any other information. You take a couple runs, you'd be like. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. I am no. terrified yeah. with what's going on right now. And never mind that, you combine that with maybe they're with a group of people who are giving them bad information or it's a horrible weather day yeah. and you have like a triple threat and they're like, why the fuck do people go skiing? Yeah. This is horrible. Yep. And you set people out to have this awful time in what should be one of the best days of the winter for them mm-hmm. and they don't ever want to go again. Yeah. And you know we're at fault. The industry is at fault for doing that. Part of it. We're, we're part of the, the, the trio of fault, Everybody, right? every, there's roles to be played yeah. all around. Yeah. You know, we need, we need great, we need great ski shops that people are going to walk into. And exactly as you said, George, like our job here today is just to help you figure out what you need and what you can do with your budget and then go have, God bless you, the best possible time out there on the mountain. That's it. And I think from a media point of view, we play our role. Shops play a critical role. The manufacturers, I think, um, you know, they have their own economic pressures and, and, you know, all the rest, but like everybody's got a role in this. And I think the fact is, I think the gear just is such an important part of the entire experience of let's say just skiing and riding. There's not a way to really get around that, you know, and true, so right. we got to get this part right for people to help them actually go have a great time. Yeah. I mean, like one of our biggest things like here 
point of purchase, and we talk to consumers directly, right? Is and and you get someone, you go through the whole spiel, and they say, "All right, well, which ones like like which which one's the best, or which one's better, or which ones?" And and you're always like, "Look, like nothing's like better or worse. Yep. Like it's just different. It's just how how it feels, right? Right? It's yeah. it's just how it's gonna feel." And then they're like, "Which one would you pick?" And it's like, "Well, it's not me, right?" What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to guide you into yeah. like the best decision so you have the best possible time in the mountain. Yeah. That's what I want. If you don't have fun, then like you're like you, I'm the one that 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 fucked up. You know, so, because because you're talking to me. I'm trying to I'm well, trying to steer yeah. you in the right direction. So one thing, like I'd also and you you test enough stuff so you you full I'm I'm assuming you fully get this, but there are wrong answers in reviews like you just because you wrote a review does not mean you're right that's correct and there are plenty yeah. of people yeah. out there that write reviews and that doesn't mean that that's their take like yo bro you're fucking wrong mm -hmm. like yeah um garrett and i were just talking about this example but the maverick 95 grips better and carves better than the bent 90 yeah that's objective mm -hmm. garrett likes the bent 90 better than the maverick 95 because he likes something more playful and surfy feeling. Sure. I like the Maverick 95 better because of this. We can like yep, different that's skis, right. That's right. but we can like the preferences are subjective and we can guide people because the performance of the skis is objective. Yep. And that's kind of how they get placed. And that's what our jobs are as reviewers. Yeah. And again, it's, it's fucking hard. Mm. Yeah. Like it's, it's not a, I mean, like, you're you're essentially articulating not just like you're kind of articulating feelings like i'm feeling i'm feeling this and you need other proper things to do that job well, too. Well, well that but also like you're trying to articulate something that you're experiencing based on what your background is too which you can't get across in that review it's like garrett grew up skiing in the park awesome freestyle skier obviously the way that he skis the way he wants skis to feel uh not as good as your brother, but the way that he wants skis to feel is more of like a bent 90, bent yep, 100. Totally. George, racer background, can yep. carve one of the nicer turns I've, I've seen, right? And it's like, he wants a ski to feel yep. high-end jiggle, grippy, powerful, snappy. So he's obviously going to be like, wow, this Maverick 95, Maverick 88 feels really good. But you you don't, it's hard to say that in the review because like, that's just your life experience. So you're going to say like, you know, it, you try your best to do that, yeah. right? But like, it, it, it's always going to come out a little, a little, a little different. Like, like, for example, like, going back to what you said, like just two days or three days or whatever on top of your experience as a tester doesn't work, right? Because no. like for me, the Maverick 95 is one of my favorite skis. Huh. I think it's great. It's super fun, right? If I'm going to ski it wherever all the time, I love that. Boy, Atomic's getting a lot of love in this thing. I know. Manja's going like, to like this. Should I say <laughs> I don't gonna like, like this. The, the I'm not... I, we're about to get into the weight question, which we don't need to do. But I, I would say the Maverick 95, it's not my personal favorite ski. So, I, so I, I, it's it's not like my number one. Yeah. But but if someone's like, you have to ski the 95 every day, I'd be like, sure, no problem. Yeah. I, I like to ski a lot. The reason I'm saying that is because the first couple of times we skied that, they were prototypes. Yeah. And there were different ones. And I'm like, man, they're onto something. This is really good. When we got the first um, consumer version, the retail version, the first two times I skied it, the conditions were really shitty. I maybe was in a bad mood. I don't know. And I'm yeah. like, man, I th the, the the prototypes we skied were way better, huh. way better. Yep. And then the fourth and fifth time yep. I skied it, yep. I was like, these are, these are, all, this is not what I remember. Yep. And so like, if you're basing it just off those two days then yeah. I'm writing well, a review saying, I don't, I, I don't like this ski. Yeah. They fucked up the prototype. You know, you, know? you know what else is crazy about the, so I've been a enough magazine tests. I'm sure you can guess what they're like. Uh, there's a lot of fucking drinking. 
and you're testing all these things hung over as fuck. So these are the these are the best skis. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that we were on when we were hungover, hungover. and the ones yeah. that got the best reviews are the ones that we wrote about when we were, depending on where we were on our alcohol journey yeah. over that fucking it's, trip. I just honestly, like I, this is the shit I hated. This, I, I'm like, I, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I hated what I saw going on in the ski industry so much that I changed the entire course of my life. And started this company and I'm probably still averaging about 90 plus hour work weeks over the last 13 years. Yeah. That's how much I hated all of this. I just was like, I'm sorry, but I'm like, fuck you. Like, I, I felt like the, say, we'll keep it the ski industry. The ski industry was kind of on this little party island. And everybody was having a real good time. The, the media outlets, the manufacturers... And we're just all having the party and we're getting hammered and we're going skiing with friends and they're posting about the fun, drunken parties. Fuck you. Like, what does that do for every consumer out there who's actually paying MSRP for shit and keeping the whole industry afloat? That's what you're doing? That's the respect you're showing to them? Fuck you. And and like, I still, I still feel that way 13 years later, but... Back to your question of like, why did I start Blister? It was shit like that. It's exactly the shit you're talking about. And we still, it's still going on today. It's still going on today. And um, it's just not how we operate. And people might be into that or they can be not into it, but it's what we do. Well, I also think people are more aware of it now. More so than it was 13 years ago, you know? I know I am, I mean, because I just work in this yeah. business, but especially a lot of people, let's say like, Ten, let's just say 10 years ago, a lot of people just came in with, you know, back in the day, they did have a magazine, you know, and they're like, this is what I like, this is yeah. what they said is the best. And now I think they're open to m more ideas from different places. Yeah. I think they're, they're, the consumers are a little bit more educated on what's good and what's bad and why. Um, and I think, you know, outlets like Blister for, for sure has, has, has helped that, helped mm -hmm. that education of the consumer, which is great. By the way, you were talking, we were talking about the, you know, best ski or whatever. And Solomon just put out, I didn't know they were doing it, but uh, I think it just dropped this past week. They were talking about the, the, uh, the echo, the yeah. echo one Oh six. Yeah. And it was funny. Um, they were like, yeah, you know, they had several of their athletes, including Cody, uh, Townsend talking about it. And they're like, yeah, look at, you know, the echo just won this award from this magazine, won the award from this magazine. And then they were like, Blister doesn't do awards, so just go read their review. Mm. <laughs> that that's like what the post was, right? And I and I kind of laughed when I saw it. But back to your point, like it that is kind of our philosophy. Like you can ask me, you did what what boot am I in the most? Yeah. So sure, that's for me my current favorite boot. Why the fuck do you care? Unless you have my feet or you're me, right? And so. We've moved away. The whole thing with Blister is try to evaluate what was happening when it came to trying to help people just get the best consumer product information out there. What is currently happening in the review landscape? And let's not do any of the things that we think are stupid or misleading. Yep. And that's just kind of what we've done. But I thought it was funny. I think that's the first time I've ever seen a company be like, we won this award and that award, <laughs> but Blister doesn't do awards, so just go read their review. Oh, it's great. Just go read that's what they awesome. say about it. There's no there's no medal hanging on the, no, on the there picture, isn't. but, but yeah. just, just read what they say. And I actually really like that ski. I, I skied, I was on that, I was thinking about it. I was like, I 
did every touring day. I was in Alaska in April. Once I got back from Alaska, the Echo was the only ski I toured on into June. And uh, anyway, I, I probably need to update like what I've written about that ski on the site. But um, anyway, yeah. It's funny. You know, one thing I, I, I talking about doing right by the customer, I think I, I just want to come back to a flex index thing real quick. Yeah. So if, if someone was like, you know, this is the flex index, I sh what flex is appropriate for me? The question can't be answered because it's not standardized. Right. And yeah. if it was standardized, we'd have an appropriate answer for that yeah. question with the amount of monkeying around that brands have done with dealing with numbers that people put so much value on, that's, there's, there's, it, it is such a depends like fucking thing. And I'm irritated that people get nervous about certain numbers going in either yeah, direction totally. when it doesn't have to do yeah. with the value. They're getting too hung up on these numbers that mean nothing. Yep. And that's, we, it either has to be standardized or it has to go away. And it's not going to go away, right? It's not like I don't think it's going to go away. I mean, I think well, it's or, ingrained. Or what what would this is a fine? They're going like to they're going to come up with some kind of some kind well, of way to, to to measure. I mean, like, look, t shirts. It's like small, medium, large, extra oh, large, God. double X. Do you want to go to that world? Like Happy Meals. I don't. But I don't even know. that's not standardized. Well, it's not standardized. It's not. <laughs> even, but, but but we we ex there's like an a there's a level of vagueness that we accept in other walks of life. Yeah. T-shirts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, are you a small, medium, large? Like, and, and then often buying a damn shirt, you're like, well, am I a medium? Am I a large? Like, is it a... And even shoes, like a, a size nine in a, in, yeah. a, in a Yeezy and a size nine in a, in a it, dunk, is, they fit different, right? And it's, it, it's and the same then, size. And then honestly, like, you know, people want... People want price points. Certain ski shops want price points. And that's, I mean, I mean, if, if there wasn't flex index, I don't even know what price points would look like, you know? Yeah. That'd be a little funky. Yeah. That would be a little funky. And, and funky meaning like damaging. Do you think damaging? Well, I, I, uh, well, no, because, because. It, it, that's where that's where they set their their their. No, I know. Their product, right? I know. Right? So, but, so, it's so like, let's say that so went away. I, if they went away, it would it would really just become more. It would become more fashion, right? Because because if if white was in that year, as oh, then it then I guess be, right? as it every should, single as every year, single year it should every be. single. And so there's year. a white boot that has you know the same flex index as the blue boot or whatever, but the white one's three hundred dollars more. People might still buy the one that's three hundred dollars more, even though they're the same thing. And there's no standardization. There's no flex you think because that would of fashion. Work? You yes. Think well, that so would pre work? pre yes, pre 1997 though, there. So Nordica started putting. Um, I think I'm saying this right. They started putting. Do you remember the gray stickers on the inside of the cuff of old Nordica boots? No. Before before was, Flex Index started making its way into the model names of boots. If you saw a picture, you'd be like, yes. Oh, it was like a shiny. It, it looked like, like shiny, the bars, like, like rectangle. Uh, the AT and T bars. <laughs> on the side here, it did, it did actually look. Like Sorry that. if you're Verizon. <laughs> <laughs> you're not Sprint, are you? No. You hate you and T bars. All right, actually, that's a good. I never thought of that. Yeah, but like that. you know, like, I mean, I was just a. How, how old are you? Forty nine. Forty nine. So I'm uh, thirty nine, but how I I wasn't. My parents were buying me stuff in the uh, mid nineties. 
But pre that, I mean, I would assume that just as you got more expensive, it was assumed it was more performance oriented uh-huh. since we didn't yeah, have yeah. this Flexinex yeah. right. stuff. Yeah. Maybe you got a nicer liner. Yeah. But I mean, there also wasn't many ski options back yeah. then yeah. either. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I want to just come back to the, like, let's say this is where some boot manufacturers are going to probably want to turn this part of the conversation off. Maybe they're not going to like this. Fuck not, yeah. Not but, just. but let's say, I mean, if, if flex started to have zero uh, effect on price, that means kind of all ski boots just are, 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 would ski boot pricing move to the higher end of the price spectrum or to the lower end to make it go, to make it a sustainable. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? Because really, I mean, you've been to those, uh, boot factories. It basically costs just as much to make that 499 boot as it does the yep. 799 boot. Yep. Until you start getting into maybe whatever you're doing with liners, yada right. yada, and then some or, richness and yeah, yeah, slightly different buckles and finishes. But yeah, so what do you think? I I mean, if we if we were like the you know if we got to be you know the uh, I don't know the czars of the of the ski industry, like and we're like as of today, we are doing away with any stated flex numbers that will no longer have any bearing on the prices of ski boots. I, I think the answer, I think every actual boot manufacturer listening to this would be screaming, you'd have to move to the higher end. And the reason I suppose they'd say that is because I hear a lot, maybe you guys hear more, skis should cost more than they do. I Boots so. should cost more than they do. Yeah. We've, well, we've, did you not feel that way after you were at the factories? Like, isn't it crazy that we're we're so lucky to get this stuff for oh, the yeah. cost that we do? Yeah, that yeah. was that was my first takeaway after like the very first ski factory I ever went to. As I left this factory, I'm like, I can't believe this stuff is this cheap. Yeah, I can't believe it. And and part of the complaints that I hear a lot are that the prices of gear in snow sports it's just a repressed. It's sort of an artificially repressed price, and I don't quite know exactly why that is when we're seeing the price of everything else in the world. Right. Like houses now cost twice as much as they did three years ago. Cheer- skis yeah. don't Cheerios cost, are like nine dollars. Skis don't cost twice well, as much. And yeah. it, the ski industry definitely fucked up with not raising prices slowly over the years, yeah. like everybody else. And then it was just like, okay, now push comes to shove, we actually have to raise. And then it, you know, went up, and that raised these alarm bells. But it, I mean, those manufacturers were taking a hit for everybody for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, the, the the Griffin is is the biggest thing. That was at two twenty nine for, for a long for time, way too long, huh? Way too 229, long. Two twenty nine, man. That's what it was priced at for for the majority of its existence. Well, it's two sixty nine now. You know, it really didn't it's go up still, that much, yeah. right? It's still a really good deal. I, but I'm saying like that should have been incrementally going up. I mean, because the version of the original Griffin and the version that we have now, very different bindings. But to go off what you just said, it it is kind of funny how like in other things we accept that yep. it's okay for price to go up, yep. but for some reason in ski, that's not okay. Yeah. Well, it's either either the manufacturers are correct. If we raise prices, we will not sell this stuff, or there is a or there or they are um, uh, falsely fearful, and they just should raise rates or. It's got to be the whole collective because if one or two start trying to raise and other companies are staying at repressed levels, right. 
So I, I don't know sort of how this I, goes. I also think but it's, it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of pushback from a lot of retailers that are racing to the bottom. Like not yeah, everyone has the race to the bottom. Not yeah. everyone shares the same sentiment as we do right now. You know, so oh yeah, they don't care about the customer having a good time or anything. No, right. they're just trying to survive and get by. So when well that and they're they're just going after the lowest common denominator. You know, and and they get a lot of that feedback from from these buying groups right so the, the the manufacturer getting that from these these massive buying groups and they're always looking for hey we need these price points on the lower end this is why and we're literally like the things need to cost more money yeah and they need to be better so people have a better experience yeah. um so it's just you're getting you're getting it from they're getting it from both sides more so than the other side yeah experience always wins for us yeah yeah, I don't think everyone sees that, but they don't see it that way. But if you have a good experience, you're gonna have a good fucking time. Oh, 100 percent. So yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. So um, I want to talk about uh, before we go way over time. Yeah, I, I want to talk about Blister Summit because yeah, sorry, I, we no, wait. no, don't be sorry at all. We're it's supposed awesome. to be talking about that like 45 no, this, minutes this, ago. Come on, this we, is, we're just we're happened. just hanging out talking about whatever. But I do want to get to Blister yeah. Summit because it's important, and then um, we'll get back into the weird shit. <laughs> 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 we can do a weird shit. No, 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 no. Keep it going. Um, no, I, I, just because it's, it's important. It's, it's, it's a new. And I'll let you obviously yeah. do the talking. So those who are are listening that don't understand what Blister Summit is, um, John is going to explain that. But basically, you know, George and I have both been a part of ski tests before, uh, both at Powder, Free Skier. Um, we've we've been a lot of cool places to test skis, and we've seen kind of how 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 the the, the sausage is made uh, at those magazines and, and how they do it, which has been a really great experience. I mean, it's been fantastic, yeah. and we still do it. Yeah. Um, but what you've done is created a, a new type of test that's obviously a little bit different than other magazines that have done it in the past. So why don't you just explain a little bit like what Blister Summit is and, and how it's going? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, first of all, like the Summit is not Blister's ski test or snowboard test. As we've said, Basically, every day there is snow on the ground. We normally have several of our people on snow all year long. And or we're in Alaska or we're in the southern hemisphere. Like we somebody at Blister is probably on snow testing something probably 10 months of the year. And and so that is how we do stuff. We've talked about that. But for the summit, really what um the idea for the summit was to be very honest because I've been not very honest so far. No, I, 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 I honesty nobody, is the worst policy. That's nobody what ever is like, you should be more honest. <laughs> Everybody in my life is like, maybe less, back a little bit. maybe, maybe less. We do all right. But, uh, you know, years ago, um, going to the big old annual trade show for, you know, the, the ski industry, um, just kind of walking around and um, again, coming back, I told like I was an absolute outsider coming into any of this stuff. Like that's my own background and story. And I don't know, I just kind of always thought it was interesting that like, again, another kind of party and, and they're great. It's great to catch up with everybody and you establish, you know, friendships and, you know, people you really like in the industry. It's great to see them. There's value in those trade shows, or whatever. But I was like, the only people not in this room right now is literally the whole world, again, who pays MSRP for stuff. Right. And I always just thought, well, what if we had an event where we invite all the brands to come 
invite our friends, people we know, pro athletes, whatever, to come. And then invite the public. Yeah. Like the fucking heart of the whole sport. And let people come in and let them get on all the new for next year stuff. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll bring companies in. You can come. You can go ski with Hoji or Cody or me or Luke or whoever you want to. And we'll go test stuff. Um, and, and so what we call the summit is actually kind of the world's first consumer-focused ski test, right? In that it's the it's our it's blister readers, it's passionate skiers and snowboarders coming in, they get on the new stuff, and we've created a um, which is actually really hard, but we've created kind of a pretty simple um kind of questionnaire survey where we can kind of extract meaningful information from people who don't review gear for a living. And so we're capturing that information and then we're sharing that with the manufacturers. Hey, you, you think you built some hot new shit? Well, here's actually what the folks, where they're stating their ability levels and the rest. Like, how do we extract meaningful feedback from recreational skiers and riders? Maybe we can share that with brands. And, and that's kind of what we do. And then the other part of it is, so we, it's, it's, it's a long event. It's four and a half days. So our, this upcoming one, it's the same kind of platform that we did last year. It's uh, February 4th through the 8th in Crested Butte. People come in on f- uh, February 4th. That's a Sunday. There's a really fun kind of welcome session and first panel session, get the lay of the land. And then we go four days on snow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And people can go grab whatever ski or boot they want, uh, board they want. You can go ski with the designer from a company, the founder of a company, a pro athlete. Go do that. And then in the evening, we do a couple of panel sessions where it's kind of been a you know, something we've been trying to do at Blister for a lot of years now, but just kind of having some conversations that maybe sort of elevate the conversations that are happening in the snow sports world. And so you can check out our YouTube channel for some of the, every, every panel session we've ever done at a Blister Summit is listed there, but there's some conversations I'm really fucking proud of. We've done stuff on, on bindings um, where we've had some of the top binding designers in the world participating in these panels. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen a conversation like this really happen anywhere else, you know? And sometimes it's really fun and hilarious panel sessions with athletes. Rory Bushfield was there last year and just won the whole summit. That just won the whole summit. And um, so it's a mix of that. It's a really good time. We have people coming. I think last year people came from 13 different countries to the summit. Um, people are coming from all over New England to California, from Canada, Australia, uh, New Zealand, uh, Austria, and there's going to be more people probably from more countries this year. And I don't know what, you know, one of the last things I'll say is, um, we also have people coming who are not very experienced skiers and riders. We have some really good people coming and, and I am extremely proud and happy to say everybody so far has had a really good time. That's great. I remember last year, McKenna Peterson, K2 athlete, phenomenal skier, right? I remember 
I was had been skiing with a group. I was peeling off. I saw her skiing one on one with a woman who was in a a very new skier, very new skier, and it was McKenna was taking her through moguls for I think the first time in her life. That's the kind of shit I love. That's right? cool. That's the kind of shit I love. And that's the kind of atmosphere we have. There is not some like the cool kids are over here and blah, blah, blah. It's just like if you're passionate about these sports and hopefully you're a good person because otherwise we wouldn't let you back, like come have fun and hang out in this environment. And and uh, maybe McKenna Peterson will be the first person to ever take you down a mogul run. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. That's really sweet. And yeah, pretty, it's, it's a surreal experience for all those guests there, yeah, you know, and I mean, even, you know, McKenna maybe, or like whoever, you know, you get to do this cool stuff with people who are excited. Yeah. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, question about the panels. Cause, yeah. cause you know, we've done similar stuff at, at ski test and, and I probably should know what the, how the panel is kind of set yeah. up, but I, but I don't. So how, do, how does that work? Do you have like a certain amount of people every day at the end of the at the end of the day, talk about a certain topic or. Yeah. Um, so we've done, what are we going on? I think this, this next summit in February will be our fourth blister summit. And so each year, um, you know, I just kind of think through some of the, the topics that I think would be interesting. And my, my objective is to kind of try to create a bit of a state of the union for snow sports. And, um, so some of the, some of the conversations are pretty gear heavy. Mm -hmm. Last year we had a, a panel topic called uh, mountain town economics and it was incredible and the videos there you can go watch it for yourself but it was covering a bunch of the issues that are happening and solutions to a lot of the problems that are happening in mountain towns and that had nothing to do with gear you know um and so yeah it's kind of a bit on me to s sort of figure out what i think are the interesting um topics for this year and then also as we get a sense of who is coming in and who's going to be at the summit, we just do a bit of like, that's kind of my job, right? Yeah. Like um, figure out, okay, if, if these athletes are going to be here, I think this would be the interesting angle. If these product designers are going to be here, I think this would be the interesting angle. Um, and we just curate yeah, that. Cool. And no, yeah, I, I was just curious because yeah. I mean, that seems like a pretty rad thing, you know, and if you do come up with topics, everyone to kind of just like roll it out there and be like, what do you guys think? Yeah. It's pretty rad. Yeah. Um, cause again, we've done similar stuff, but it hasn't been, you know, it's been pretty ski test focused. Yeah. Not just like, Hey, like what's going like no. mountain town or, or what have yeah. you. So that, that's pretty rad. Now, as the brands have come into like, uh, blister summit or anything like that, have there, has there been any pressure from them to have anything sway their direction? Like say more. I don't like, like. I don't even like, know what you mean. Bas so. Basically, them asking for a pay to play type thing. Like, yo, dude, I did this. I did this. How about you do this? No, I. I think. Um, like we've been doing, we've been operating kind of exactly the same way for thirteen years, and I think by now, um, the the brands just know how we operate. Yeah, and. Um, so I don't know, kind of, I'm actually kind of proud of that because in those early days, yeah, right, when we weren't just putting out the gushing review that this thing is amazing at everything, um, that's when I think more brands could have been like, wow, fuck you, you know? Mm -hmm. And we, we, one of the things, another thing I want to say, we do not in our reviews try to do these gotcha, like, 
I mean, I'm not a bad writer, pretty good at it. I could make hilarious total fucking takedown pieces and yeah. you'd read them and you guys would be laughing and that's hilarious and like, yeah, go get them. Yeah. I'm like, that's not what we're supposed to do. Hopefully our reviews are, they're in depth. Hopefully there's some funny moments or something in there, but like we are not in the, the reviews are not entertainment. The reviews are fucking product information for people who spend a lot of money, their own money on gear. That is what they are. It's what they were day one. It's what they are now. And I think sometimes I'll see like on a forum or something, somebody like talking about a review, like, oh, that person over there, man, they took that company apart or they killed that product. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know it's like real. And I'm like, no, the goal is accuracy. And that's the only goal. Mm -hmm. And if you're not accurate, fuck off. If you're an entertainment site, that's an easy way to score points. Do the takedown piece, right? Be hilarious, yeah. you know, but that's, that's real. That's kind of our needle in our mission is accuracy. And, you know, we, and another thing I'm really proud of it, it's been really hard for 13 years, but, you know, I always said at the jump, when we did the thing by not taking any advertising money from the gear manufacturers, that's where like all the other review outlets were making, I don't know, 90, 95% of their money. How the yeah. fuck do you keep this thing in business? Right. And one of the ways we do that is through our blister membership. Right. And that's how the world I feel like kind of should work. Like if this is valuable information that we're providing pay to be a pay to be a member. And if, and if we're not good enough, if we're not insightful enough to make that happen, then we should die. We should go away. We, the world doesn't need us, right? Right. And that's the wager we made some years ago. But now what I like, and this is still an answer to your question. It's taken me a while to get there. That's why the, the only way we can screw ourselves now really as a company is if we aren't accurate. Yeah. We've applied kind of the appropriate pressure, I think, one of our reviewers, let's say somebody from brand X came to them and was like, yo, man, this is a really important new product launch for us. Here's $1,000 or $10,000. Just mm -hmm. please say nice things about it. I, would fire, I couldn't fire that person fast enough and I'd probably beat the shit out of them, right? <laughs> and then be sued into oblivion. So that's how <laughs> Blister will end. But, 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 but now any, you know, any brand coming to us and be like, say nicer things, dude, that's the end of our company. The way we've set this up, that would be the end of our company. Because if, if 50,000 people read that review and they then got on that ski or that bike or whatever, and we're like, this isn't remotely, this doesn't do remotely what those guys at Blister said it did. We just took a major credibility hit. Totally. And that's the only thing we are. We right. aren't anything else. We are just our credibility. And what I always say is there is room for sure for reasonable disagreement about a product, reasonable disagreement. You and I might not have the exact same favorite skis, but what I believe is if you and I went and got on 30 of the same skis, we would not have radically different opinions about how is this thing carving? Which is the better carver among these skis? You know right. what I mean? It, as far as placing them. Yes. Goes, our, our favorite can be in whatever direction That's it right. wants to go, but the there are wrong answers in placing That's them. That's right. And unfortunately, I don't think many other review places outside of this room understand that. Mm. And it's really unfortunate because that is 
what we do. Yeah. And accuracy, like you just said, yeah. is paramount. It's yeah. really important. So, so that, you know, back to your, let's imagine a brand comes in and is like, Hey, uh, by the way, this has happened. This happens actually a lot and brands now, and we turn down a lot of money every year because we don't do these ad deals with a specialized or a Trek or some of the, like we don't. And you know, it's nice. It's flattering. All these brands would like to do those deals with us. Yeah. And and they're very nice about it. And, and the conversations are like, look, we're not trying to influence. We just want to keep you around and alive. And it's like, I fucking appreciate that. But this is the way we've set it up. And, and if, if we're not good enough to continue to work off the model that I set up from day one, I don't want to be in this business. I'll go do something else, you know, truly. Like, I don't want to be in this. I don't want to be in the fake news business. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, so I think I, I probably sound weird as fired up as I am about this, but I really love this stuff. I really love these communities and I think it's the best. It, my days on snow do represent some of the best days of my life. My days in the mountains, mountain biking, trail running, skiing. And I, that's why I think I feel is kind of sacrosanct to me, yeah. this stuff. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to go lie to people about about this and I'll, I'll just go do something else. No, and, and that's very admirable. And I think people can, they see that obviously we see it, you know, you read it and it's, it's everything that you write sounds very honest. And there's a reason why you have such a big following. There's a reason why people, there's a reason why you walk into a ski shop in the middle of Boston and huh. someone recognizes you that, yeah. that, that, that says something, you know, and yeah. it, it means you're doing something right for sure. Well, and a, and a really cool thing is being able to sit down with people who kind of have a, bit of a, you know, we are not in the same business, but right. to have to operate from some of the same sort of principles that feels real good. And you kind of figure out who sort of, who are the people trying hard to do things the right way? Um, or frankly, who are some of the shops that don't actually seem to give a fuck about doing things the right way. Right. Yep, right. And we're real clear. Like I want those shops to go out of business. I really do. And not not out of like vindictiveness, but I think there needs to be like, we're in, we haven't really talked about our, our whole digital age, right? And e-commerce and the rest. We as a sport, talking about bikes, skis, snowboards, if brick and mortars go away, our sports are forever altered and are frankly worse. Yeah. So my big thing is we need to ensure that we are helping to drive foot traffic and dollars to the best service shops in the world. And if you're not one of those shops, we probably need you to die or, well, or be shot to call the herd, right? Yeah. To make sure that the best service centers continue to get supported. Right. So they can continue to provide the best service in a given area. And if you're not do that, if you're not doing that, or if you're one of these old fucking tired shop owners that stopped caring a decade or two ago, please get out of the game. I mean, that's yeah. always been, that's always been our, 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 our sentiment because we're always so frustrated that, especially here in New England, right? Cause we've just been so frustrated that like so many, so many people just, they, they seem to just not really care anymore. Yep. And you go into a lot of ski stores or retail stores, or ski shops, and you can just feel that like 
you know, nothing's changed here in X amount of time. Like you're not trying to do anything to make it more fun, make it more relevant. I mean, part of the, the ski monster, you know, how we even like came to the idea of ski monster is like, you know, we, we've said this before, we'll probably say a million times more. It's like, you know, we went to a lot of ski stores, you know, when we were younger and yeah. you're like, yep. this is not very exciting. Yeah. You know, this isn't, I'm, I don't, I don't feel excited to spend some money here. You know what I mean? You walk into a surf shop or a skate shop and you're like, yo, I'm buying some sneakers. Or I'm going to buy a hat. Like this place is sick. Walk into a ski retail store anywhere in New England for the most part. And you're like, I, I don't want to spend any money. You can tell you know? they gave up decades ago. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like the, the other thing that's happened, like it for like the ski industry, especially is back in the, 50s and 60s when a lot of these ski shops first started that was the uh first gen store that realized this is why we should exist this is exciting we're yeah. going to make this fucking awesome we think it's awesome and then instead of selling to someone else it kind of got passed down and that person's just doing it because it's convenient not because they really want to maybe they don't know what else they're That's supposed right. to do and they're just a leech off any of the stores that That's are really right. pushing hard to add value and it it does take away revenue from all those stores because they don't really need to be there. Yeah. And if you're not adding value, I agree with you. Get the fuck out. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no again, I've said this a million times. I sound like a broken record, but I don't really care. There's there's no reason, right? And the way the way that the ski industry has been around, especially in this part of the country with the amount of population that lives here, all the racers, all the freestyle kids, everyone that has second homes up north, all the ski shops have been here, right? There's no reason that Ski Monster, Boston, mm. opens in 2014 mm -hmm. and goes from literally like begging people to come into the door from day one to us sitting in a podcast studio well, in our in our in our space. Like the, like the industry, like those shops and this, they should have never let that happen. Well, but but you know what's bullshit is those stores that you were just talking about tried so hard to make sure that this wasn't going to happen, right? Because that was going to make their life harder. Uh -huh. Oh, that means you actually yeah. have to try yeah. or you're going to die. Yeah. Oh, you can't because there's this can't do that. These new kids in town that actually want to make a fucking difference. And it's, it's, I don't know. I'm going to go off on a fucking complete. No, tangent, but I think but we're, it's all, bullshit. we're, we're, we're all, we're all on the same page. It's, yeah. it's just, it's just kind of funny if you do think about it and it's like, there's just like ski monster shouldn't have been even like in the scope of, of existence in the sense of like all these stores from just in just in new England alone had so much time to like figure out something, you know, that could be a brand that could be a place that like people trust and, and want to come and get advice from takes and effort. Though. It takes a lot and of effort. And not willing effort. to do that, uh, you yeah. know, and have a podcast and have a YouTube channel and, you know, go down the line, you know, yeah. and no one did it um, yeah. until, until 2014, yeah. um, which is, it's kind of wild. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm glad that nobody did it yeah. because we're, because we're here, yeah. uh, you know, and we're, and we're, and we're, um, you know, doing our thing. Um, but it's just weird to me that no one stepped up to the plate all those years. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, listen, listen, thinking through this conversation a bit, I mean, one, I think one of the sort of takeaways is just um, it's great being around passionate people. And if you're, I, I, I spend and try to spend as close to 0% of my time around people who aren't passionate about whatever they're into, right? And it might not be exactly the same thing I'm into. That's great. I'm probably going to learn a lot from that person. But I think that especially for when we're talking about things like skiing and snowboarding and mountain biking, these are just passion areas, right? 
And if you're in the a kind of passion business and you aren't passionate, it seems even more fucked up. Yeah. Like then if, if maybe like accounting, maybe not a passion area. So if I was an accountant and I was like, yeah, but I don't actually love accounting. We might be like, that's okay, but that pays the bills. And then that lets you go do things like ski, the thing you are passionate about. Right. Right. But in the business where it's like, we are in the business where like you get to go out by yourself, get some alone time and look at beautiful mountains in the outdoors or be out with your friends and family to have some of the best experiences of your life. If you're in that business and you burned out 10 years ago, get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. We cheers. I agree. hundred percent. I mean, 100%. If, you're, if you're in this business and, and you feel flamed out to your point, and you're not willing to push the envelope. And if you're not adding to, value, go try away. Try to add value um, <laughs> to to not just your own company, but but to the brands that you carry and to the consumer experiences that you're assisting with. Then it's time. It's time to be done. It's time. Yeah. And then it's and then I'm like, how pathetic. You. It's like you're burned out on this, but you're sticking around because you can't think of anything else to go do. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. When did your life go so far off the rails? Right. Like yep. it's a big world out there. Like. You're passionate about nothing. You just burned out in the one passion area and nothing else is filled in. Go become a newbie in that. Like figure it out and make it. I I, I truly don't get it and I kind of hate it. Well, I mean, yeah. it's it's people just get stuck, you know, and then and, and they don't know how to kind of kind of get themselves out. And they're like, well, I guess this is, this is what I do, you know, which is too bad because when you're in a business like ours, it's really it's based on excitement. Like yep. we get to talk about and yeah. sell and do fun things. Like that's our, that's the job. And back to your point, being an accountant isn't very fun, you know, but it might pay the bills. Great. We, we work in ski, in, in ski retail. I mean that your job is fun. Like you're talking to somebody every day about a, a potential best day for them that's right. every single day. Yeah. And like, that is not only like a privilege for someone that to be able to contribute to their, yep. to their excitement, that's right. but also it's like, dude, I want you to have the best time ever. And you're going to be like, yo, air from ski monsters, the shit, go see him, buy some fucking skis and you're going to have yeah. a best day like me. And like to be able to have that conversation with people all the time, it, it feels good. Yeah. It, it really does. Yeah. Um, well, I think we should wrap there because we, 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 uh, yeah, we're, we crushed some time and we could probably keep talking for like another, mm. another hour and a half at least. Mm. So let's just, we got some good stuff. We got some fun stuff. We got some passionate stuff. Um, yeah, shit was sick. Jonathan. Thank you for coming through. Thanks for coming through. Really and well, welcome Isn't back it? to Boston. And yeah. actually what's your, what's your plan for this, for this week? Are you, are you over there for the whole time? Um, I've, I'm, do you have a booth or no? No booth. No. Uh, just. On a put together a panel session tomorrow at twelve uh, fifteen. Oh, Saturday. You're, gonna t- you're gonna talk. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, and so just that, and then uh, pretty loose schedule. I'm actually tonight. Uh, actually, in just a little bit, I'm meeting up with one of my best friends from high school. Cool. cool. Who lives in Boston? And uh, where are you guys so, going? Um, where are we going? He put together. Well, we're gonna end up at Trillium. Okay. Sweet. Oh, great. So yeah, I. I've actually never had Trillium beer. I It's really good. I like my beer. I like my whiskey. I like my coffee more than anything though. We didn't talk about coffee at all, but no, we, we, but uh so Trillium a bunch of people that I really respect their opinion about beer. They've talked about it a long time. It's my first chance to go check them out. So we're going to end up at Trillium, but nice. I think there's going to be a 
bit of a walking tour. Awesome. Um, yeah, you, yeah. That little that whole area where 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 Trillium is is sweet. That the they did a great job with that building. I I'm not sure if the roof will be open, but like it's a pretty cool build out. The beer is delicious. You guys are having mm-hmm. a good time. Okay. Yeah, and then tomorrow night dinner with one of my best friends from undergrad, and uh, so getting to see some dear friends. Um, we'll yeah, this give a good, a, this a talk. good, quick little trip for you. Then. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. yeah. Um, and it's I, I told you, Eric, it's so cool to be back. I um, I love cities because they are the opposite of I love my life in Crested Butte, but I live on a tiny little mountaintop at nearly ten thousand feet. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful, but it's the opposite of this. And every time I go into a city, like the energy of a city, uh, I I love it. And it's contagious. It, it really is. There's there are people getting after it and doing their thing. And you get into a proper city, and it's like you can go get some of the best coffee in the world, some of the best beer in the world, some of the best food in the world. And I I I I am not one of these people. I don't know that I can go you know, back full time into a city per se, but I love it every time I get the chance to go in. And, and so I'm super thrilled to be here and see awesome. what you guys have put down, set down right in the middle of it all. So you, you heard me saying before we started recording, like this spot is fantastic. Thank you very much. And uh, it's really cool to finally get to be here in person and, and uh, check it all out. So um, and it seems like you've got a great crew here too. been fun getting to meet some of those folks. Yeah, yeah our crew, we do. Our crew fucking rocks. Yeah. We, we got a lot of, we got a lot of studs. Um, very lucky to have everybody. Everyone's awesome. Um, all right. Yeah, let's do it. Let's wrap. Jonathan, right, thank nice. you very much for being here. Thanks, bro. Hey, thank Dude, you. Good talk. And uh, peace, y'all.